Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwinipu, and this is episode 242. I am not joined today by Perez, who is under the weather. So wish him well or wish him ill. Uh, either one is fine with me. He has betrayed me yet again, left me to my own devices. But I am joined by longtime guest of the pod, friend of the pod, sometimes enemy of the pod during the pod, his name is James Boo. You can follow him on Twitter at JamzyBoo9. Uh, he is a great follow if you're into random role players on the Kings or the Hornets or really any team that has no chance of winning a championship. Uh, that is this man's wheelhouse. James, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Yeah, actually, yesterday... Um... When I was calling Ant and Cat, oh, just not amazing playmakers. Someone <laughs> in the replies was like, uh, "Yeah, someone who I didn't follow has been like talking shit to me on replies for for a minute." And he was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I was just you know just saying, oh, you're an idiot, Dilo sucks and stuff like that." And then I was like, "Yeah, I told him, you know, I don't follow you, so I can't actually see your replies." And then he was just like, "Oh yeah, well, I mean, I only follow you because you just it's amusing to see you just stand all these like loser players." Um, including DeAndre Russell, so yeah, um, yeah, that's that's my that's my shtick apparently. So yeah, um, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, graduated from from special guest to longtime friend of the pod. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, man, it's always great to have you on. And it would have been if we could have just stopped the game tonight. We're recording straight after the Knicks lost to the Hawks. I don't even know what was the final score one twelve ninety nine. I don't know. If you haven't watched this game, I would recommend you watch till about five minutes left in the second quarter and then turn it off and walk away and never watch the end of this game. Uh, we're going to talk about what was honestly... I'll save my thoughts. I will save my thoughts. But before we get started, I do have to make an announcement that the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this pod that I do every Friday with Prez, except when he is sick. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag that comes out every other week, hosted by Drew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, the Doug Bag, as we like to call it affectionately. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. And I promise you, the conversation is alive and happening right now, all about what the Knicks just did tonight. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier. That gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more, kind of like I'm about to do on this podcast tonight. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Conley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. And let me tell you, when they write articles, they write the entire article very well. They don't stop writing the article 40% of the way through. They don't half-ass it the rest of the way. They go all the way, unlike certain basketball teams. There are further tiers beyond that there's a $15 tier $30 tier $50 tier and $100 tier those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on podcast recordings 
merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, all right, I'm just going to say this. I have been carefully trying to avoid too much get rid of Tibbs talk, get rid of Randall talk, really trying to give these guys – sorry, no, I should say current. I was really trying to give these guys the first – 15, 20 games to see. I just can't do it anymore. I can't do it. This was as bad a performance as you could possibly imagine from a coaching perspective. I genuinely believe this. This might be the worst coaching performance of the season. And, and like, I don't think that's an exaggeration. It was that bad. Um, like, in the NBA? All... Or... Yes. Or the NBA. This was, uh, maybe the next, I mean, it could be. Why not both? Uh, it was that bad. I, I think it was... The Knicks were up 23 points with about 5.30 left in the game. Or 5.30 left in the second quarter. Obi misses a three. DeJounte makes a couple of contested threes. By the way, the bench had blown... They had blown the game out. Okay, They, they had blown this lead out. Tim takes a timeout. The lead's down to 17. His move, okay? His first move. Because DeJounte Murray... Hit a couple of contested threes was what? It was to take out it was to take out Obi, who to that point in the game had ten points on five shots in eight minutes. He pulled him from the game to put Randall back in. He took out Hardenstein and put in Mitch, which I didn't ever really have a problem with. Um and then about a minute later, with the lead at fifteen or sixteen, he took out quickly to put Evan Fournier back in. The Hawks cut the lead to eight at the half, 65-57. They took the lead with un, under in less than three minutes into the second half, or maybe just over three minutes into the second half. They pushed the lead out to about 80. His first sub, his first meaningful sub, was to take out Brunson for Derrick Rose. For I'm not actually quite sure for what reason. Uh, in the first half, it was because he was in foul trouble. In the second half, he just did it. Uh, with about six minutes left in the third quarter. Also pulled out Mitch for Hartenstein at that same time. He didn't bring quickly or OB back in until three minutes left in the third quarter. At that point, the lead was already 10 or 12. The game was over. They they had taken the Knicks' soul. And I just, but I don't know why Rose was in for as long as he was in. It didn't make sense to me why Rose started the fourth quarter. That was clearly the time for take him out, put Brunson back in, see what that like, Brunson quickly, the rest of these bench guys could do. Uh, just all around horrific coaching performance. I, I don't really know what else to say other than that. I think this is a performance to me. I can just only speak for myself. I think a coach should lose his job for a game like this. And not be- this is, it'd be one thing if this was his first year coaching the team. This is the third year. Okay, this is his third year coaching the team. He has blown countless leads, and all I was fucking told last year when I bitched about this and I talked about how horrible his coaching was, how horrible his rotations were, oh, look, just, just wait until you get the point guard, man. They don't have a true point guard, so you can't hold them accountable. Oh, okay, guess what? They got a true point guard now. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself for telling me that. It is not about having a true point guard. It is not. This is about coaching. This is terrible coaching. He does not adjust to what is actually happening in this game. This man got out coached by Nate McMillan. Get the fuck out of here. You're done. <laughs> you are done. 
You are getting out. You're getting ran laps around by Nate McMillan. Get the fuck out of my team. Get get out of here. I'm done. I'm done with you. You were finished. He sat there like a lifeless slug on the sideline watching this unfold in front of him, and he did nothing for 12 minutes of game time. He did nothing. That's not coaching. That's the act. That's literally the opposite of coaching. To do nothing is the opposite of coaching. He was terrible. This is a game. I truly believe this. I don't think there's an overreaction because this is his third year. This is not his first year. This is a performance that should get him fired. It was that atrocious. And I want to read off a stat. This was posted by Tim Bontemps. The 23-point lead for the Knicks tonight is tied for the team's third largest blown lead in a loss over the last 30 seasons. Over that span, Knicks have led by 23-plus points and lost in five games. Three of those have come in calendar year 2022. That is coaching. That is coaching. I don't want to hear anything else about, he doesn't have a point guard, they don't have a star, they don't have this thing, they don't have that thing. He is never going to be able to optimize his roster because he is incapable of being flexible with his lineups, with his rotations. He's incapable of adjusting in games before the fourth quarter. He is incapable. This is what he is as a coach. He has a he helped the Knicks get from absolute joke tire fire to respectable mediocrity. That is it. That is all he's capable of. There is no more you're going to get out of him. That is not a terrible thing for a coach, but he has hit a ceiling here. He cannot take this team any further, and as long as he is here, we will not see any interesting combinations of players. We will not see any experimentation. We will be reduced to seeing Obi Toppin as the world's greatest 14-minute-a-night substitute. There's nothing more coming from this guy. Get him out of here. I'm over it. That's that's what I had to say, James. Uh, you watched this game tonight. I uh, watched. I think I only watched like. Well, I, the thing is, like, I actually only watched when when you mentioned like the game was already over, uh, when the when the bench checked back in, and I was going to criticize. I thought uh, honestly, I thought the end because I didn't even know that they had a twenty three point lead the first half, so that's obviously really bad. Um, but like, I was mainly I thought you were going to criticize like just the, how the bench played because the bench like they ran into the the Hawks zone and it was just really that wasn't that great. Like it was really. Yeah, it was just very poorly done. How not to attack his own reminded me of Boston in the bubble, just pretty so, clueless. So it's so. funny you mentioned that. They went into zone, guess when? Midway through the second quarter. So yeah, okay. it was the bench, right. it was the starters, it was this, and this yep. has been another, this has again been forever a recurring theme under Tibbs. <laughs> For some reason, his teams cannot figure out, like, it is not hard to attack his own. It's very, it's not that it, I mean, yes, it requires some precise uh, tactical adjustments, but like you get somebody to the free throw line, you enter the ball there, you force the zone to collapse in, and then you try to kick out and get them in rotations. And maybe you get an open yep. three, maybe you can cut it on the baseline. It is not rocket science. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's not rocket science. Mm. And for it, like, I agree with you. The, the, the Hawks just junked it up. The Knicks were pushing the pace great in the first half. Hawks went into the zone junked up the game, right. and Tibbs had nothing. He had nothing. That's, again, like, this is coaching. If you can't adjust to that as a coach, this man is 64 years old. He's been in the NBA for 35 fucking years. He's got nothing left. 
He has given everything he has to the sport. I respect Tom <laughs> Thibodeau for all that. He's given everything he has. He's done. He's a dinosaur. He is not a head coach in this league. He is getting laps thrown around him by Nate fucking McMillan. Like, Nate McMillan is not... I, go go ask Hawks fans about Nate, Nate McMillan. Go ask them about Nate McMillan. They'll, they'll, go ask Pacers fans about Nate McMillan. Another guy, good coach. He's only going to get you so far. Okay, he's, he's just not going to take, take you anywhere serious. Uh, and I, I just, I'm, I'm at wit's end talking about this stuff because it's like, this is exactly why I wanted to move on from him last year. And I was told by many people, oh, you know, point guard, let's get a point guard and Randall's going to come back and he's going to be all fucking sunshine and roses and he's going to buy in now and give me a, just shut up. Like, I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm so sick and tired of excuses for Tom Thibodeau and excuses and and this ridiculous low bar for Julius Randle. Oh, he's smiling this year. Great. Wonderful for him. I'm so happy he's smiling. Like, I'd be smiling too if I got paid $110 million, whatever. I'd be the the, the epitome of happiness. But I don't. And, and I don't know why I'm supposed to judge him as a basketball player based on the level of smiles he's giving me. That Oh, he's trying. He's running the floor hard. Yes, these are bare minimum expectations we have of players. Like, I, I'm sorry, do, do you, I don't know. I even heard a Knicks broadcaster, they're like, oh my God, look at it the way Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin are coming on the floor smiling. No. Why are we holding the uh, alleged franchise player to this low, low bar? No, no. I expect more. And today what I saw from him and what I've seen from him as the season, as we've gone on further and further away from the start of preseason, he is going back. And he's reverting to exactly the type of ball stopping, over dribbling, ISO heavy bullshit that we saw from him last year. I'm sorry, buddy. Fans are back in the crowd. Okay, this is not COVID anymore. We don't got empty stadiums. There's pressure. <laughs> there's there's people yelling at you and stuff. It's like no, like I'm sorry. I don't. If they can't trade him, I don't care. Put him on the bench. Start Obi. I'm so sick of this shit. I'm so sick and tired of we are lowering the bar for Julius and then the bar for Obi to get more minutes. Like, oh well, he didn't defensive rebound well. Oh, he missed a few shots. Oh, he did. Okay, Randall is pissing his pants on the floor every night, but he's smiling through it. So we're supposed to be happy. No, like this is horseshit. Like uh, enough with the lowering of the bar with Julius. Enough of the justifications for garbage coaching from Tom Thibodeau. Evaluate what we were, Tom Thibodeau's about winning, right? That's what we were told. Tom Thibodeau, he's not coaching. He's not going to, he's not trying to develop. He's not just trying to rebuild. He's trying to win games. Okay. Guess what? He did a terrible job of winning this basketball game. He probably did as bad, as bad a job as you could possibly do of trying to win a basketball game. If you want like, if you want to see how to lose a basketball game as a coach, watch this. This is a master class in losing. Like, that was the ultimate loser performance from a head coach. Absolute loser shit. Pathetic. Despicable. Spineless. There was nothing to that. He was, it was trash. He, he just watched his team capitulate. He did nothing. He didn't try to change the game. He didn't want to change the game. He didn't try to influence the game. He didn't try to throw, like, he didn't, like, there, there's an, I don't know if you guys have this saying in fucking Australia, but it's like, you throw the kitchen sink at it. Right? You try everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did he try today? He didn't try anything. He just did his rotations. Oh, these are my rotations. 
Because Tom Thibodeau, you know, he has gotten, he's, he has received word from up high, from a higher power of what the correct rotations are, and we must stick to them. To achieve salvation, we must stick to them every game, and that, that we cannot change. And guess what? We are going to achieve salvation because we're going to fucking die watching this. This this team season is going to die if we keep doing this ridiculous nonsense. Uh, I am sorry to cut you off, uh, James. I clearly no, have a lot no. going on. And uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I am actually, I am truly curious to get your thoughts on what you saw today. Because I'll, I'll just start with this, okay? Because I know that you are... Look, you're not watching every second of Knicks basketball, right? Which is understandable. You're not a Knicks fan. Yeah. You also live in Australia. I think I watched, like, probably five quarters total, like three of the Hornets game. And then, and I was really optimistic after the Hornets game because Brunson was magnificent in that one. Um, but I think, yeah, probably, like, after that, I was thinking, yeah, like, maybe they got a, they got a shot but um, at fixing some of the stuff. But obviously this game, like, I think I started to see a bit more of the the issues with just how the starting lineup kind of fits together and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, so I, look, I, look, you, you have watched, I know that you're a long time, uh, avid follower of mediocre basketball teams. So I know that you've watched your fair share of the Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, uh, dynamic Orlando magic teams. And, and I am just curious, like, like, okay. I, I mean, you saw a little bit of Evan today, I'm assuming, uh, or at least the he was. Like, I mean, to be honest, he was probably the best Nick at actually attacking zone today. Yeah, maybe, but like, what is he actually? Like, I, I get us do no. Like, like I he's get, not. Like, yeah. like uh, okay, I'll just say I totally agree that him in the starting lineup doesn't make much sense. I will say you need you clearly need shooting around like Jalen, RJ, Randall, Mitchell Robinson. You need a shooter. Like, obviously, Grimes makes sense there, but um. But yeah, I will say yeah, I agree that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you know, defensively or just in general. Like, and it's kind of like I thought if you swapped Fournier in the second unit today, and maybe I don't know, I guess quickly or Cam or something in, in the starters, I guess against you know such a good pick and roll, a dual pick and roll threat team, maybe that'd be better. But I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, you always say. I just don't. I really don't understand the argument at this point of starting. Of starting um, Fournier over quickly because, like, is it the entire argument is that you need a floor spacer, which I get. You need a, you need somebody that can space the floor around um, around you know, like you said, the, these players, right? That, that, in that starting lineup, you need somebody that quickly can space the floor, quickly can defend, and quickly also gives you an. He's also. By the way, the team's second best rebounder, in my opinion, by far, after yeah. Mitch. Uh, yeah. He had 14 defensive rebounds tonight, uh, which was fantastic because, yeah, every, because uh, Isaiah Hartenstein might be the worst defensive rebound ever in my <laughs> life. Oh. Um, and uh, it, it's just like he just gives as you a, those as, a, as, a staunch, as a staunch fan of bigs who don't get defensive rebounds like Wiseman and Nas Reed, I will say. But those guys um, box out, right? Well, yeah, but. Hansen wasn't doing that, dude. I, <laughs> I mean, I did I see a Congo, a and Collins and stuff were definitely they were going to work. Um, so yeah, fair enough. So I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Um, my contention the entire year, and this is why, like, I get why people want a Grimes is 
just when you think of like a starting lineup, right? Brunson, Grimes, Randall, RJ, Mitch, like that visually makes sense, right? Two wings, point guard, power forward, center, makes sense, right? Lines up with what you would think. Mike, but Grimes has, he's just getting back from a foot issue. Um, My contention has always been the reason Grimes makes sense in that lineup more so than Fournier is you don't just need a floor spacer. You need somebody who's giving you value even without scoring. Like that can add yeah. value yeah. in ways beyond yeah. scoring. And Evan is can't do that. Grimes gives you a point of attack defender. He's a pretty good rebounder for a wing. He's switchable. He's active. He's just a better. He's going to give you value. Even if he goes over six the game, he can still be a positive difference maker in that game. And that to me is exactly why quickly should be starting right now over Fournier. Now maybe Grimes is back now and you're just going to throw him in there and fine. Great. Fantastic. But like, why, why did we need to see this? Like we have two years of evidence for this of quickly routinely being awesome next to a point guard, like quickly in rows his first year. Like it, it just, it's, it's, it's mind numbing and mind blowing to me. And yet people are like, Oh, like, Oh, blank slate for Tibbs, blank slate for Tibbs. You got to judge him. And it's like, it's like, no, we've had two years of evidence with him. We can judge, like we, we can say, Oh, okay. We should judge him this year on the job he does this year. I agree with that. But we also don't need to pretend like we can't, we don't know anything about this coach. And therefore we need to like give him 30 games before we start jumping to any conclusions. No, we know this. He's stubborn. He's not going to just change the starting lineup. He clearly thinks this Evan thing is worth it. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm really frustrated, man. And um, it's just like the, well, the biggest I mean, frustration for me is it just feels like, again... Like, yeah, a bit of like Groundhog Day? Or... Groundhog Day, but it's also like you're not learning anything about these players. You know, like, like yeah. I don't know. I'm going to... I'll pull it up right now. But I am pretty sure that coming into this year, Manuel quickly, RJ Barrett, and Obi Toppin had played something like 325 minutes together over two full seasons. And I'm just looking at this now. This year, before tonight, I don't even know if they played a minute together tonight. Uh, tonight, or sorry, coming into this, sorry. <laughs> coming into tonight, those three had played, let me see. Oh, wow. That's funny. Uh, he does. He's not even in one of. Okay, give me a second. Uh, well, he hasn't met the like minutes or position. Not, not, not for IQs. Not for IQs. Three man combinations or or okay. uh, RJs. Uh, but they have played fourteen minutes and twenty five seconds together this season. They are in those fourteen minutes and twenty five seconds plus sixty five point two. Look, that barely means anything. I'm not suggesting it means anything significant, but like generally when you draft players and they play different positions and make sense together, logically you want to play them more together. And that apparently is not a priority for this front office. Uh, last year they played 298 minutes together. They were plus 2.6. And the year before that they played. Oh, let's see the year before that those three played. I don't even know. They probably put like twenty minutes together. I'm not gonna bother looking it up now. But it's just like I, I yeah. don't know. I, it, it so, so these are the first, I mean, like, that's a that's a microcosm of like one 
but like that broader idea of like okay like i want to know what those three look like i want to know what those three plus cam yeah. look like yeah, yeah, i, I would that, love yeah. to see what yeah like ob and randall with those with cam and rj and like, iq look like or not in different combinations grimes throw them but it's like yeah, you're not yeah. finding any of that out so who was the who who like who would step in for Fournier if he was injured last year? Or well, Fournier uh, was never injured. Last year. Never injured. Damn, <laughs> that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it uh, would. It would um, I mean, I'll... just based on based on what Tibbs's like, you know, general tendencies, it would probably have been Grimes last year. Yeah. I would assume okay. this year it would be like it would probably be Grimes again. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so what? I, like, to me, this just seems like a classic, like, like Fournier is an expiring contract, right? Basically, like functionally, like his third year is non guaranteed or something. No, his fourth year is non guaranteed. He has one more guaranteed oh, year after this. Yeah. I still don't think it's that yeah. big of a deal. I think that we're not doing ourselves any favors to your point of like starting him. Like, mm. if you put him on yeah, the bench, yeah. that's a better usage of him. And when you put yeah. guys in better roles and optimize yeah, yeah, them, totally generally makes them look better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, Fournier, like, yeah, I mean, it, like every, I mean, he's 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 lost a bit of a step in kind of recent years, but you know, he was France's primary scorer. So, in like, you know, uh, did a bit of two man game with Vooch. So, him and Hardenstein is has always been like a really uh, logical combo for me. But I will say, like, yeah, I just uh, I'm just gonna guess. I feel like they're trying to play him to like maintain trade value and stuff like that because I saw this with. Um, Seeing a lot with a lot of my teams, I'm seeing this is Harrison Barnes right now for the Kings. You know, leaving him in for defensive possessions when he's like the slowest rotation forward in the league right now. Um, like he he would give Carmelo Anthony like Lakers Carmelo Anthony could run for his money defensively <laughs> right now. Dude, um, I was going to ask you that. You watch him in Orlando; he's way slower now, right? It's like noticeable. Yeah, I feel like I feel so. Yeah, because like um, like I don't think he was ever like a chair in Orlando. Like you know, he's, he's not like super quick long or sturdy or anything like that but like you know but like you know like in that Hornets game like he was always defending with his hands and stuff like that to me that's kind of a like you know when like uh yeah like that's kind of a telltale tell sign of someone who you know defensively isn't super consistently good or anything um but yeah like like last year Minnesota Chris Finch who's renowned as a good coach now I, you know I I don't know if you know, but like I, I pretty much criticize this guy every Minnesota game I watch these days. But um, you know, yeah, like most coaches are a slave to that. Like you know, Mike Brown's got to play Harrison Barnes despite preaching defensive identity. Um, like Chris Finch has been really like one of the biggest Jalen Noel fans, but he was still playing in behind Beasley last year, and that was I think that was clearly a, a bit of a politics move. So and like maintaining tra- trade value. So that's that's kind of what I would assume with. Fournier um, and you know stuff, but I, I do agree. Like, yeah, it would maximize his trade value more to bring you off the bench anyway. So, yeah, it must be must, must suck to be you, bro. Sorry, say that again. No, just uh, it must suck to be you. Like, yeah, it does that. suck. Um, so Tom Thibodeau oh, was asked today yeah. uh, if anything specific went into his decision to bring in Rose as the team's first substitute over his usual choice of quickly. His answer, no, we wanted to get a look at it, thought it would be beneficial. Like... Uh, okay, so so I want to I want to pivot a bit. So I want to ask you about, like, I mean, first of all, with Randall's, like, do you think he has 
made an effort to play with Rachel Mancho. Like, like, okay, so because I think I might I turn into the Joker on this one, man. Okay, okay. I mean, I did because like, the thing is, I did see like he had the ball in the post in the middle of the floor today, and he like actually ran a handoff. Whereas I feel like last year he probably would have ISOed. Is that fair to say? Like, do you think stuff like that is like it's always kind of been like up and down with Randall, right? Like he had games last season where he would you know push the break and get the team into early offense, and it would help the team out a lot. And then he like you know start of the season he was like taking point of attack assignments, and then like obviously dropped off and stuff. But like yeah, like do you think it's the same old Randall basically in that regard? Uh, that is a great question. But before I answer it. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same game parlay today with payouts bigger than ever. DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. And personally, the bet I will be making is I will be putting my life savings on the Philadelphia 76ers to beat the New York Knicks on Friday night. If you like money, I would maybe suggest doing that. Actually, don't do that. Don't ever listen to me. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now, use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook app with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, do I think Julius Randle is making an effort? Yes, I do. I do believe that Julius Randle is making an effort to be a better version of himself. Do I think it's going to succeed? No. Do I care mm. to watch it anymore? Absolutely not. <laughs> Do I feel that there's some success that we're on the cusp of unlocking? No. I actually think my all offseason, I was get Randall out of here, get Randall out of here, get Randall out of here, get Randall out of here. I really want to give him the 20 games. We're seven games in. I still feel very unmoved on that stance. Is the best way to put it. I think I don't like his fit with Brunson. I don't care how many pick and rolls together. You're not going to convince me that's a good fit. I don't like the fact that he's just continued to shoot like shit from three. I think we have enough evidence now that the fluke COVID year with nobody in the gyms was exactly that. He's not going to be a good three point shooter. He's actually might be just a flat out terrible three point shooter based on what we've seen. Uh, he's been over dribbling more. I still think he hijacks sets. Like I don't think a lot of those pick and rolls that he's running with Brunson are actual. Like I think that's him positioning himself in the middle of the floor, and there's kind of nothing else for Brunson to do. And I'm not like I thought Brunson played too tentative tonight. I thought he had really weird instances where he wasn't looking to shoot the ball. He passed up on a like a few catch and shoot threes, which like he just needs to take those because he's a really good catch and shoot player. Just fucking take the three, Jalen. Um, but I also can't shake the feeling that, like, he is trying, like, he is being put in a position because of Julius's tendencies and habits and yeah. kind of domineering personality 
where he's effectively deferring to him now more than he was to start the yeah. year. Um, I mean, like, like in the Hornets game, right. that was like that was one of yeah. my main takeaways. Like Brunson, he was he was cooking, bro. He was like Dennis Smith Jr. was like doing so well on the screens, but Brunson would just take him off the dribble, and it was a bucket every time. And then, but you could see, you know, at times he had to you know, get Randall set up in the mid post and stuff like that. So he's clearly well at the um, especially at the end of that game, the end of, like during the end of the like overtime, they kept running that pick and roll with him and Randall, and then Randall would like yeah. stand over. Elbow with his hand up, and so like yeah, Brunson's yeah. like, okay, I guess I got to give it to him. And then he does like he kept trying to take PJ Washington off the bounce. He missed all of them except for yeah, like the yeah. very last one he went in. Yeah. But it's like yeah. I really have a tough time believing that's like, like I'll share on tips for many things. I have a very tough time believing that he prefers Randall to have the ball in that situation over Brunson. I struggle to believe that. Mm. Uh, I think that is definitely in a situation where it's like. Like maybe the play is for Randall to run a pick and roll or something like that with Jalen Brunson, but it doesn't feel like he's running it in good faith. It feels like he's running it and then he's just kind of like hijacking it to put himself in a position where that he gets the ball. Um, and I don't care. There are probably people listening to this and they're like, "Oh, you you just hate Julius." You're right. I do hate Julius. Um, <laughs> cry about it. But like, I just I don't I don't I don't see it. And then my other thing is like. Look, Obi missed a bunch of shots in the fourth quarter. He missed a dunk, whatever. Just watch the way he plays. And watch Jalen Brunson play. It is so obvious who is going to be a better fit next to Jalen Brunson between Obi and Randall. Like, we are doing so much right now. Oh, like, like we're doing so much to accommodate Julius Randall. Where does that take you? What are you getting out of that? You're not get, Like, if, if you're going to accommodate to any player on this team, it should be to Jalen Brunson. He is the best player on the team. He's the best scorer on the team. He's the most efficient scorer on the team. He's the most complete scorer on the team. He is who you should be focused on. Not look, Nobody on this team is such a franchise player. You're going to build everything around them, right? But he is the player that you should be trying to predicate the rest of your system around. And okay, how do we use him as a central point to optimize this roster? And if you really start thinking about that, I, yeah, do, I, I, I don't. I, I don't know how you. RJ I don't know Randall. how you reach the conclusion. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Like, I think RJ makes sense next to Brunson. I think like he's not playing great or anything like that, but he makes sense to me next to Brunson. Like, I, I watch them. I like see. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Randall makes no sense to me. Like, he, he's just not gonna like. He Randall's game. What you really want to try and get Randall doing right is going downhill, right? You want to get him going downhill, attacking the paint. That is what you want Jalen Brunson to do. But the difference between, yes, RJ wants to go downhill too, but the difference is I can have Brand, I can have Brunson bring the ball up the floor, run a pick and roll. That doesn't go somewhere. He can swing it to the other yeah. side of the key yeah. to RJ. Now RJ can go to, Randall can't do that. Randall can't stand on the opposite side, top of the key, wait for the swing pass, and then go. Like That's just not his game. And that's how yeah, he exactly. ends up turning so the was, ball over. That's what I was going to say, yeah. exactly. Like... The reason, like, if Brunson and RJ fits is because, like, yeah, if Brunson, like, if he runs an action and he doesn't get what he's looking for, he'll just, like, swing it, right? He'll just get you into second-side stuff. He's, he's a much more natural, like, just ball-movement player where Randallism is, like, kind of a, yeah, he, like, you know, he wants to get to his spot. Um, and then, obviously, we've seen the last two years, or especially last year, like, when teams are starting to load up on him, when he gets to his spot, he's struggling with that decision-making. So, obviously, yeah, like, you know, there's a reason 
people have been saying, you know, pick and roll, like, you know, be a good roller and dribble handoff more because it would make stuff easy for him. But he just, yeah, I mean, he's, he's far from the only star who's like that, though, really. Um, you know, I've been calling for Carl Towns to, to do a proper screen and roll since I started watching Mini, and it still hasn't really happened. I think he's been a lot better this year, but um, uh, a lot better this year just as a player. But still, you know, um, like I was having a discussion with someone on the timeline um, the other day, and it was just we were talking about, you know, how, you know, if you think about the last, um, what, 10 championship teams, you know, Curry has been a massive part of most of them or half of them, and he's, he's a guy who let kind of – especially initially, you know, was willing to sacrifice his game uh, for the benefit of the system. You have Giannis who, you know, today, and I criticize him for this, you know, he, he's, he's running di- dribble handoffs for like Pat Connaughton and Wesley Matthews in must, like, you know, clutch scenarios of win now games. But that kind of shows what kind of play he is, right? You know, very selfless, um, team-first guy. Uh, yeah, so I think that was another guy. I can't remember right now, but and yeah, and the, but like so, you got those really selfless stars, and I think those are the guys you want to get. And if you get one of them, you try and build your whole team around. So maybe, maybe that's some of the reason people say you know the Hornets should build around Lamelo because I think he's got that kind of kind of similar style, very naturally team first player. Even though I don't think he's got the scoring talent of the others, but then you also I have think, guys like Randall and yeah, with Lamelo, it's just like so much for him is just about like I think once he figures out how to function in a half like. He he gets a yeah. little he gets really out in the half court and you can like like you've seen in both the playing games that they've lost like teams have just kind of like totally punked him in a half court like just get him out of his and he just really doesn't know what to do yet but like he's so young and he the natural talent yeah. his playmaking handle all that stuff is like it's there he just has to figure it out I'm not that worried about him yeah well yeah by the way like you you mentioned all this stuff about hijacking and i think the number one hijacker in the nba right now is anthony edwards so i'm just saying like that's that's why i'm so frustrated with him bro i, we, we, I cannot watch look, this we, guy like we're gonna he, we're he gonna just, get to anthony edwards we're gonna get to him but we gotta you, save the minute you, you got you got your chance you, you got your chance to cook <laughs> I, I didn't mind bro because i'm just saying like the thing is like for one ant's rookie year he was not this bad like but then since finch came in and had full scenes with him it's just like he's just like like just go, he's literally just saying, yeah, go cook, bro. Like just go, go fucking, you know, shoot your dumbass, like nope. sidestep, step back threes, and call whatever you want, and have your fucking head down in transition. Like, oh my god, don't you think some of that is just, um, like, don't you think, like, I, I think it's a lot worse this year than it was last year, from what I've seen. I haven't watched a ton of Minnesota, but from what I've seen, and from your maybe endless ranting on on the timeline it feels like it's much worse this year but i and and even if it's not worse it is effectively worse because the driving angles are worse because he's not playing with cat at the five they're not playing um, five out. they have cat and rudy on the floor like it's just a natural space to yeah. i'm not saying like that's not a justification to me for him to like go iso and take terrible shots but like it you're gonna get worse results out of it because the space is less and I just think that entire team, like, we've talked about this before, like, like, I'm sorry, like, you're not winning anything with Carl Anthony Towns as one of your best players. The guy is a, yeah. he, he's not serious. He's so immature. Yeah, so, so Cat and Dilo can't be the, the primary no. guy. No. I get, of course, I get that. But, um, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, the NBA, like, 
like for some reason, especially I feel like in the last ten years, like the primary scorer has also become the primary ball handler. But in a lot of cases, I think that's to the detriment of the team. Like if you think about like Boston, I still think Boston, like they have another ceiling that they can unlock if they can get a better primary ball handler than Marcus Smart, you know, to play Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown more off the ball because they're just so like Tatum is just, you know, absolutely elite in the mid post. But then when he dribbles the ball up top, you know, he's he's still pretty good. He's his Jason Tatum, but he's just like, you know, he's, he hasn't got all the reads out of pick and roll or at least doesn't get to the like the spots, the right spots on the floor consistently. Um, first step is an issue, stuff like that. So I feel like that's the way I would treat Anthony Edwards. Like, and that's the thing. you got a really good like team first for a general point guard in D'Angelo Russell. So that's that's just how I would use Anthony Edwards. I would like see what you can run your offense through him, but just have him like um, actually attack as part of an action or something like that, or from a spot that he's good from, rather than just basically say you know you can bring the ball up and just do whatever you want because that's basically what's happening right now. Like he has so much freedom to do whatever he wants. You know he gets the ball. He's yeah exactly. He's just doing whatever he wants. It's not there's there's never any like you know oh let's go let's go run an action or you know or oh. Brent Forbes or Malik Beasley or Torian Prince is literally wide open on the wing. Let's let's you know do that. You know it's it's all up to him. It's it's up to him to, whether he decides to drive or whether he decides to walk it up and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean yeah, just... um, it's I think this this is why I didn't like the trade though because Ant's a third year player. Like yeah, he's yeah, super yeah. talented. I agree. He's super talented, but he has so much shit to work through. Like, I mean, we saw this in the playoffs last year. Like, you watched that series. That's, like, and this is not, trust me, I think Memphis is actually, like, a pretty stupid team. But they're way more talented, and they just have, like, like, those guys just go really, they go really fucking hard. You know, like, they are balls to the wall constantly. Like, Minnesota may be the dumbest team in the entire NBA. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wallen. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.